be a fun event. But we're glad you're here. Thank you. We have a wonderful guest speaker coming up today, right now. You've heard him before. It is lovely, Mark. And uh, we're going to be blessed. Scott was a little jealous that he's stealing um, 1 Samuel 16. Yes, but um, that just means it's going to be extra good, we know. So <laughs> thanks so much. Well, good morning. Come on now. I came from Santa Cruz, got up at 5 this morning. Good morning. First time I've ever been accused of stealing a text. I've been accused of stealing a lot of stuff, but never a chapter in the Bible, so it's a privilege to be with you. Listen, uh, if you've been uh, in around me, you know I'm a little bit of ADD. What a privilege to see my dear brother and sister that grew up in my youth ministry. I got to do your wedding how many years ago? 14 years ago. Now they have, a, what, 11 children? Like they travel with a nation. You're two of five right there. Wow. And so great to see you. Great to see everybody. You know more than probably anybody in the building how ADD I can be. And so I've been praying for this since Scott said you can do First Samuel 16. I've been praying for you guys, not even knowing who would be here for literally two weeks, really. I hang out with chickens now. We have a little two and a half acre farm. And I've been really marinating. And I think this morning is a little bit more for me than you. Because it is one of the most favorite, one of two great stories that I find in David's life. And if you haven't been close to a father, you know my story, if you've been around me. I wasn't really raised by um, an available man. I've been kind of fathered by God. And David's story has really, from the day I came to faith, nurtured me along in manhood and in uh, ministry and in being a husband and being... Uh, in today's culture where we're constantly being barraged. So if you've been around me, you know that I'm a little ADD and I couldn't decide on a title. So I came up with two. And I want you to vote at the end of the message which one you think fits best. But I also want you to vote first before you hear the message because it matters. So what's the first uh, title here? Is The Thing About David. Okay? The Thing About David. How many of you guys like that? The thing about David. One, two, three, four. Thank you for voting. Four. Second one is oily days and God's ways. Okay. First one better. You want to change your vote? Okay. Oily days and God's ways. Okay, so that's about, that's the, that's the leader. Okay. Well, you have already sized me up. Is it going to be worth the next? Well, Scott said I could spend an hour and a half in the Word. So is it going to be worth the next hour and a half? Or do you want to stay? You've sized up my uh, education probably based on my vocabulary. You've sized up uh, my age. You've sized me up. Good news is I've sized you up. You're interactive. I thought two of you would vote, period. I just, you surprised me. Thank you for being interactive. Scott's done really well. Uh, we are human, so what we do is we size each other up. And I've grown up being sized up and always, always overlooked small, grew up in Oakland in the 70s, East Oakland, overlooked academically, uh, Oakland School District, mom with MS, dad drinking a fifth of vodka a night, homework wasn't a high priority. Then we moved to Castro Valley in 76, which was two to three years ahead of the Oakland School District. Academics was never my thing. And so I've been sized up in the ministry consistently for the last 35 years. We size each other up. The problem with being sized up is we are often overlooked or overlook the people around us. Because we're human, we size things up, and we're so attuned to good marketing. 
we're so, we make quick decisions. What, I think I had six seconds to connect with you. Maybe eight, because that's, they figure now on the internet, you have two, two seconds before you scroll or click. And so we're quickly sizing things up, shows, jobs, people, and it leads to overlooking. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been overlooked from my dad, from teachers, from coaches, from people, from friends, from jobs. It's really painful. I think my wife and I both, our deepest wounds are because of being overlooked. Because being overlooked leads to a lack of belonging. And what we desire as humans is to belong. You know, there's a difference between a nice church and a belonging church. You know what I'm saying? I think the Mormons, if you're Mormon, you know you're going to agree with me, have niceties wrapped up. There's no nicer people on the planet. <laughs> They're beautiful and so nice. But belonging is different. And I can't tell you how encouraged I am to watch all the community here. There's a sense of belonging. That's rare. But it's impossible when we're being overlooked. That's our first blank right here. We all wrestle with overlooks. I call them overlooks because I've been overlooked so many times, which leads to belonging. I think David did too. That's why 1 Samuel 16 is one of my favorites. If you have a Bible, turn there or a phone or a tablet. We're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 16. And I think that David struggled with that as well. Uh, we all wrestle with overlooks. Number two, we'll get there. Now, we know the story last week in 1 Samuel 15. Saul, what was the big idea last week? Saul what? No, it's okay. Don't remember. It's, uh, welcome to the planet. I, I think Megan, is that Megan in the sound booth? Megan asked me how to spell my name, and I had to think about it. So I'm with you. 60 years I've been spelling my name. What was the big idea last week? Saul, 1 Samuel 15. What was it? Didn't obey. He didn't do what God told him to do, which was what? With the king. Kill everybody, every little flea, every dog, every tick, everything, because he's trying to maintain the seed of Israel so that the Messiah could come, right? Kind of cleans up the whole barbarianism in Old Testament. He's trying to keep a promise to Abraham. Through your seed, we're going to change the world. So everything that goes against that seed has to go, right? That's the condensed Hayward High version, okay? You're with me on that. We can condense four years of high school in one little weed smoking session behind that hall. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to stealing. You know, what's amazing is Jack Del Rio still thinks I stole his car stereo. And Jack Del Rio is speaking. This is an ADD moment, just so it has nothing to do with the message. He is going to speak at a men's retreat that I'm going to MC. Yeah, and we've never talked to each other since the time he chased me out of the gym. So this is going to be fun. Anyway, I get to tell Jack, I stole chapter 16 in 1 Samuel, not your stereo. Okay, where was I? So Sam, Saul didn't obey thoroughly. He kept the sheets, the goats, and a guy named Agag, right? And so Samuel, the prophet, is brokenhearted over the deal. And he says, what's with all the sheep I hear? How come Agag is still walking the earth? And Saul kind of him haws, and Samuel says, bring Agag to me. And Agag is pumped. Surely the worst is over. We get to meet the prophet Samuel. And Samuel takes out a sword and cuts 
Agag to pieces. I love this. Unto the Lord. <laughs> Unto the Lord. Welcome to the party, Agag. Cuts him up. And then he is deeply grieved over Saul. The text ended last week with Samuel never saw Saul again. And he's grieving. First Samuel 16 starts with God saying, look, Samuel, you've grieved long enough. Pick yourself up. I want you to go to Bethlehem, where our Lord was born, to the house of bread. Bethlehem means the house of bread. And I want you to find a family named Jesse, and I want you to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the next king of Israel. And Samuel goes, I can't go to Bethlehem because Saul will hear of it and kill me. And Samuel tells the Lord, I can't do it. And the Lord says, look, just bring a heifer, bring some uh, sacrificial meat, go to the city gate, gather the community and tell them you're going to sacrifice to the Lord. Bring a flask of olive oil. Now, a flask of olive oil. I almost brought one of those Costco thing of olive oil. That's about a flask of olive oil in the ancient days. Round the hip, little sack, not a clay pot, a flask of olive oil for anointing. Bring the flask and go to Bethlehem and find Jesse's, one of Jesse's kids. So he shows up at the gate, and the elders of the city, now a city gate in Israel, I'm going uh, in November 28th for 16 days. If you all want to join me, anybody want to join me, I have 16 people signed up, and it's going to be wild. I took Scott there three trips ago, uh, and if you're curious, just reach out, and uh, I'll give you some information on it. And so a city gate is about this wide. Every city, including Jerusalem, you had to go through a city gate, and there was a series of just always a little switchback, just a very subtle switchback to uh, be able to uh, ward off enemies so the enemy couldn't just, like, ride through. They had a little switchback, and there were always the city elders at the gate, those wise men who kind of oversaw the city. And so the elders at the gate freak out when Samuel walks up. Why? He's a prophet, and he just chopped up a dude. I mean, word, you know what I'm saying? Whatever Saul doesn't do, Samuel will take care of. Like, what are you doing here, they say. He says, don't worry, I've come in peace. Let's sacrifice, and I want you to invite Jesse and his sons to the sacrifice. We'll pick it up in verse 6 if you're there, in 1 Samuel 16. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. So Jesse and the sons line up, seven sons, and Eliab is the oldest. Now, the oldest son in Israeli culture is what? Chosen. Chosen. Gets everything. Gets the inheritance. They, he will probably be one of the elders at the gate years to come. The eldest is everything. So Samuel uh, has Eliab in front of him. Jesse lines up Eliab first, and surely this is the Lord's anointed. But this is what the Lord said to Samuel. Don't judge by appearance or height. Praise the Lord as a five foot eight and a half man. <laughs> Don't judge by appearance or height. I love you to put right in the text. I stole it. It's right there in the text. For I have rejected him. See, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. The Lord doesn't size people up the way we do. He just doesn't. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Can I get an amen? The Lord looks at the heart. Sometimes that scares me, if I could be honest. Because sometimes my heart is a little, uh, my wife would say, prickly. Sometimes my heart can be steered in a wrong direction. 
I praise the Lord that he's not looking at my height or appearance. And I praise the Lord that he looks at the heart when my heart is right. That's how the Lord sizes us up. Then Jesse told his sons Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. Can you imagine Jesse? Jesse's sitting there, seven kids. Oh, Samuel the prophet's got his flask dripping oil probably. Those little sacks always dripped a little bit. You know what I'm saying? A little wine or something, a little trail. Samuel's in the house. All my sons are here. This is going to be a proud moment. Here's Eliab. And Samuel says, nah. Looked up. Samuel looked up at the kid. Specimen. Nah. This is not how God's going to look. Jesse's going to, uh-oh. Abinadab, get up there. Second one. Second one up. Samuel says, nope. This is not it. This is not the one the Lord chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimei. But Samuel said, nope, this is neither the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. And Samuel added, I love this. Are these all the sons you have? What did he say when he walked through the door? Mr. Chop Up. Mr. Sizzler, what's that restaurant where they chop everything up? Benny Hanna. Mr. Benny Hanna's in the house. I told you to bring all the sons, and he has to go to Jesse. Is this all the kids? And Jesse says, there's one more. What? Yeah, he's out with the sheep and the goats. He doesn't say, I'll go get him. He just says, oh, there's one more. He's out with the sheep and the goats. And Samuel says, we'll go get him. We're not going to eat until the, the man is here. I think David knew what it was like to be overlooked. His father forgot him. And then when he was reminded of him, made no move to get him. And that deeply affects me as someone who's been overlooked his entire life. I could tell you stories, but because it's being recorded, and because I'm honest, and because I have, you know what I'm saying? I can't share details. But being overlooked, undervalued, set aside, incorrectly sized up, hurts. And especially when we feel overlooked by God. That's it. Set aside health, relationally, professionally, spiritually, belonging. Jesus came so that the world might know they belong in the kingdom of heaven. Belonging is core and deep. And here's David watching Samuel come into the house, watching the sons ride in on donkeys or however they came into the house. And David's missing the party. And Samuel says, well, go get him. This is so good. Uh, send for him at once. Verse 12, so Jesse sent for him. Okay, I guess I'll go get the kid. This is Jesse. I love Jesse. I'd love to just, in the name of Jesus, just slap him a couple of times. Jesse, come on, wake up. What are you thinking about? I'll go get him. Okay. And then the Lord said, when Jesse brings in David, look at this. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. I have a picture of, in Bethlehem, this little boy who had about five sheep around him. I took out my iPhone. I think Scott was with me on this trip. This is in Bethlehem. And I just went, you've got to be kidding me. I'm in Bethlehem. Pinch me. I'm, I'm having a, a little coffee from a place called Stars and Bucks. The Palestinians ripped off Starbucks, and it was fantastic. Uh, and the next picture is like this little kid, and, and he's allowing us to pet his sheep. And I just saw that kid, and I thought, there's young David. 
And its text says he was ruddy, manly, and olive-skinned with beautiful eyes. And you can't see this kid's eyes because the sun's kind of coming through, but his eyes are beautiful. And I just think, here's a 9, 10-year-old David. This is what was out in the field. And so Samuel says, bring the kid in. And he comes in, he has... Uh, he was dark and handsome and ruddy with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. This scene is crazy. So David stood there among his brothers. The text is clear to remind us, don't forget about the brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord powerfully came upon David from that day on. And Samuel returned home to Ramah. Now the scene is, here's little David. And Samuel brings that flask and just smothers him with olive oil, with some scents in it, all down his shoulders, down his face, over, all over. And all the dad and the brothers are like, what? The next king of Israel? Now, the anointing has so much in it and weight in it. We could spend the whole morning on the anointing. Basically, it's an outward expression of an inward reality. God's decision is to have this young man be the next king of Israel. It's like a baptism. Baptism is a celebration. It's a symbol of an inward reality expressed outwardly. It comes with humility. You know, in, in a public baptism, you know, it's like all the ladies love it with the hair in their face and the makeup's running and the shirt's t- tight. And it's, it's, a, it's a thing of humility and commitment. And it's a reminder. No, I've been baptized. The Spirit of God has been baptized into my soul because of my belief. Old Mark is dead. New Mark, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can live. The anointing is a calling. And David was reminded it. He's saturated in olive oil. And I thought, just for fun, because Scott comes from youth ministry, so do I, I was going to invite one of you guys up and dump one of those gallons of olive oil on him, just for an example, and let him stand there for half hour, the rest of the message, right? But all the brothers are clear. The dad's clear. The community's clear when David walks out of the house drenched in olive oil. This is God's chosen. This is why I love this story. Because we've been chosen too. We've been called. We forget. I forget. We've been called. Look at this list. This is just a short list. 1 Corinthians 1.24. Called to salvation. Called to live in the freedom of salvation. To say we've been saved from angry, anger, depression, hell. We've been saved from anxiety. We, we, salvation is ongoing. Once for eternity, but on, every day I need to be saved from myself. Amen? We've been called to salvation. Called. A picture of the olive oil dripping over you. You've been called out of darkness. Why do we pursue darkness if we've been called out of it? And we don't pursue it maybe as deep as some of the worldly people do, but we're attracted to it. You know, I've been just sucked into the whole Kate and uh, who's the prince? Andrew? Aaron? William? Harry. Been sucked into it, man. And it's like there's a little thread of darkness in that. That whole little, the way the media is and what they've done. And there's just, it's shrouded in darkness. And I tell my wife, what are we going to watch tonight? Let's see what the royals are doing and and how the media is sucking the life out of that family. You know what I'm saying? It's dark. Why is that? So I've been called out of darkness, called to live in freedom, Galatians 5.13, called to live in freedom, 
called to live in peace, Colossians 3.15, not chaos, not anxiousness, not anger, called to live in peace. You've been called to bless people who have insulted you. That's fantastic. Called, full of olive oil. Next time somebody insults you, envision yourself drenched in olive oil, called by God to bless that person. Yes, uh, Wednesday I went surfing. You guys know I can't go uh, a minute without talking about the Lord, without surfing, and without throwing Scott Berglund under the bus. You know that. I'm surfing. It's south swell, which means waves come through uh, in slow period. At least this high is really big for an old man like me. Okay? And it's, it's really fun. But you have to get in early. You can't get right on the crest of the wave. You have to get in early when you're old so you can stand up and make a turn before it actually starts to crest and break. And so the old man gets in. It's a great wave, good south swell. I mean, the speed of, I can't, I'm, I can't believe how fast I'm going. And this dude older than me on a stand-up paddleboard turns around and says, I think I'll go. Now, there's one rule in surfing. Look left. When a guy's coming, you don't go. I mean, when you are skiing or snowboarding, do you run out of the trees in front of the guy that's coming down the hill? Huh? You imagine in the, in, the, in, the, in the NBA finals, some dude jumping off the chair and running in front of the guy driving the hoop? Why would you jump in front of me, bro? I'm doing, what, 30? On a 10-foot surfboard? I'm praying for you guys. And I have to bless that guy. <laughs> I won't tell you how it went after we both got machined washed in a long period south swell. Right? You know what I, I have to, I have to, I'll just tell you. I went, God told me to bless you. What? Yes, my enemies, I'm to bless. <laughs> We've been called to bless people who have insulted us, called to live holy lives, 1 Thessalonians 4, and he gives us the spirit to do it. He gives us his Holy Spirit to be able to answer these callings. Uh, in Ephesians 4, 1, he says, Paul says, live a life worthy of your calling. We've been called, all of us, called to live righteously, confidently, in peace, holy lives as God is holy. It's a calling. Why do I spend so much time in areas of my life that aren't my calling? Why do we do this? What does David do next? Do we know? Guess? He goes back to the sheep. He goes back to the sheep. What did he do after he went back to the sheep? The end of this chapter, if you don't have your Bible memorized, work on it. No, I'm just kidding you. Paul, uh, Saul is given a tormenting spirit. That's a very complicated theological reality. The Lord torments Saul. You're getting the kingdom ripped from you. And then the Lord tells David, go play music for your new enemy. Go into the house of Saul and humbly comfort him. What are we to do with our calls? What's right in front of us? For David, it was the sheep. Whatever storm we're in, that's what we're to do with a calling, it's a different perspective. Nothing for David changed, but everything changed. He went back to honoring his dad who forgot him. And then he went and honored his enemy. 
and comforted his enemy and became very valuable to Saul. What he did was serve Saul. The second slide, I think, is we've all been called and empowered. So what do we do with that? We do what David did. It's the thing. It's what we've all been called and empowered with the Holy Spirit. We do what David did. It's the thing. Now, I never can get through a message without talking about the Lord or surfing or throwing Scott Berglund under the bus, but today I'm going to throw Brent under the bus. Not Scott, because he forgot the word the. All you had to do was cut and paste my little email, Brent. Just cut and paste it right over, and he forgot the major block of the text, which we're going to put on the half sheet. So, Brent, you will be watching this somewhere between Mexico and L.A., probably, on a phone. Your job will be evaluated next Monday. And you, sir, you're preaching, you're preaching next week, correct? John, is that, or what's your name? John? Right? You're preaching next week. Check Brent's email. Check the half sheet. It's probably messed up. Swing and a miss, Brent. God chooses short people whose hearts are pure, not big, tall guys that miss emails. Okay, here we go. Just to say, this a little family business here. <laughs> we do what David did. It's the thing. Cultivate our hearts as we're, as we're with the sheep, as we're with serving enemies, as we're in our calling. The most critical thing I believe, this is my belief, that followers of Jesus can do is cultivate our hearts. Why? Because the good Lord searches, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the Lord searches to and fro the planet to find out whose hearts are his so that he can strengthen them and encourage them. Everything comes from the heart, the will. That's why I put soul. For us in the medical world, it's the ticker. It, the heart in the ancient world is that guttural center of a man or woman that takes the intellect with the emotion and moves it into action. It's the soul. When you are asked, how's your soul? You know. Anxious, depressed, tired, excited, faithful, encouraged. How's your heart? Ah, it's a, I don't know. I went to the EKG. So it's the soul. Cultivate our soul. Now, here's the statement that um, big, lovely Brent left out. The most important thing followers of Jesus should be doing, not believers of Jesus. There's a difference. I think all of the brothers, David's brothers, were believers in God. Look what they just saw. Look what they saw in Saul. Look what they saw in Samuel. Look at the history of Israel. Look at Moses coming through. The, they were believers. They were followers. David was a follower. Wait till next week, chapter 17, which I wish I could steal. I'm not going to bust your bubble. It's a beautiful bubble. David was a follower. The most important thing followers of Jesus can be doing right now in this evil time we live in is cultivating humble and faithful hearts that align with the heart of God. I got tumbled on that wave. I'm praying for you. I'm picturing myself drenched in oil, and I sincerely thought, Lord, what would you do? It's the most cliche thing. What would Jesus do? I bless him. Just bless him. That's a humble heart. I was 100% ripped off, dangerous, could have been hurt. Faithful is when we do what God calls us to do. Humble is who do I think I am? How many people have I cut off? I probably cut people off driving to the thing. 
in humility, man. Who, who do I think I am? That's David with the sheep. Content. Because we know he's content because after he was anointed, he didn't get in a chariot and run around going, I'm the next king of Israel. He didn't grab his phone and start taking selfies and posting them. He went back to the sheep, oily. Right? Probably picked up a couple of those sheep like that little kid did and wiped himself off. Wiped the oil out of his face. Probably a kind of an awkward situation. My big question is how long does a kid stay oily like that? A month? Does he get in the river? How do you get oil out of your hair? Okay. <clears throat> we cultivate our hearts and souls. Matthew 13. How, what time do we try to wrap up? Do we know? Okay. Matthew 13 is what we call the hinge in the book of Matthew. It's the hinge. It's when Jesus leaves the synagogue and starts going into the community. And it's one of the most critical parables that he tells. And it's one of the few he tells with an explanation, uh, explanation of the parable to his disciples. And it's the sower and the seed. Matthew 13. It's the hinge. And it's, I think, so appropriate for us followers who want to cultivate humble and faithful hearts. Jesus tells a story. A sower goes out and sows seeds, which is pretty much just walking through a field and sowing seeds like this, just throwing seeds. That's how they, that's how they farmed 2,000 years ago. Sower, farmer goes out and sows seeds. Some of the seed fell along the beaten path. Some of the seeds fell among the thorns. Some of the seeds fell among the soil that only had about an inch of soil and then was rock. And some of the seed fell amongst rich, good soil. And that seed sprouted, and it produced a harvest of 10, 30, 60, 100-fold. Now, the disciples being graduated from Hayward High said, uh, what does that thing mean? And it's critical. It's the hinge. I, I got to have you understand this because in some title, Jesus is going to be telling a bunch of stories and you guys are going to change the world. And I want you to understand this first and most critical one that all others rest on. It's the hinge parable. Your heart is the soil. Some of the truth, the word, the seed, the truths of God fall on our hearts, but it's the beaten path. It's hard. The seed won't go down into the soil, so the birds come. The enemy, those damn birds. There are so many birds around us. We have a big garden in our little farm, and, we har and I sowed a bunch of seeds, and we've been really successful with our garden. And between the rain, it's relentless. It was raining this morning in Santa Cruz, so you know, raining. Could not believe it. And the birds, because the birds have no spring. So the birds came and cleaned out my garden. I mean, hammered it. And I have a pellet gun. I have a prickly heart at times, my wife says. And the garden, you know, we spent a couple hundred bucks, right? Seeds, compost, all the stuff. I go, those damn birds. And my wife said, don't forget, the Lord takes care of the birds. You're feeding the birds. But I did the garden to feed us, not the birds. But in life... The birds come really quick when our hearts are on the beaten path. We run at a race and a pace so fast that our hearts are hard. It gives the birds extra time and simplicity to take our seed. The enemy comes in and takes what the goodness God is trying to impart in our hearts so that we might have a harvest, so that we might become gentle, peaceable, faithful, humble, then some of the seed grows up among the weeds, and the weeds are the anxiousness and the pursuit of wealth and finances and place in the world. 
and it gets choked out. And some of the seed fall in the shallow, shallow soil. And we go home, we go, yeah, that was a great word. That was a great truth. But when the storms come, the sun comes out, that seed dribbles up because there's no root. Roots are battle-hardened followers of Christ. Why do we try to handle all of our problems ourselves? When I have older men and women, saints that have gone before me, that are battle-hardened, they've been through it. That's a saint. That's mature. As a young man, I tried to handle all my problems myself. Hidden shame, financial turmoil, business stress, marital stress, all the stuff that I held to myself because of embarrassment. As an older man, I'm realizing that my father is for me and wants to handle things for me. I'm either being tested, I'm being strengthened, I'm being encouraged, I'm being challenged so that I can persevere and succeed and help the next brother or sister with what I had to learn. I'm being, it's all good if I rely on the Lord. And so now I wake up and I go, Lord, here's what I'm worried about. These three things, I can't share them with you because they're real. And I say, Lord, you say you're my father. You say that all these things are going to work out for me. So I say to you, Father, you got a big problem in your, your son's day-to-day. -day, and I need you to step in and fix it. And I wash my hands of it. And I wait for his resolve, including no answer. Because I'm covered in oil. And I am trusting my Savior. And I'm cultivating a heart that needs deep soil because some stuff is coming none of us get out of this thing alive. So, I don't know. I got some cancer coming. I, I got a tree falling on my head and wiping me out. I got a lost wife. I got a son or daughter that might pass. Life is hard, and I need good soil. And so the most important thing is to cultivate great hearts. John 15, I'm the vine. You're the branch. You can do nothing away from me. You abide in me, you remain in me, you're going to do great things, and you will produce fruit. So he evaluates us on our condition of our heart and the fruit we produce. I hate the word produce because that's the industrial revolution. Good news, sister, you get to go home and produce some fruit for the Lord. Get to it. No, we get to grow fruit. I've been in a lot of vineyards. I like wine. Not a lot of wine. A little bit of wine gives me a headache. I'm more of an IPA guy. Shh. Been in a lot of vineyards. Never once have heard grapevines pushing to produce fruit. It's natural. I have a pear tree. I went out to the pear tree this morning because a tree limb fell on the pear tree. We have dropping all kinds of trees in Santa Cruz now because they're all saturated inside and they're all heavy. It's called summer limb drop just to make your life easier. And it just missed our pear tree, and I listened to the tree for your sake this morning. Nope, didn't hear it. <laughs> didn't hear the pear tree working to try to produce. It's a natural byproduct to good, soft hearts. There's a harvest. There's a fruit. Now, here's the thing. Number four, do what Jesus said to do. It's God's ways Nurture the sprouts with belonging that leads to eternal fruit. See, I used to think I don't have fruit in my life because I'm a now person. I used to think I'm not effective in the kingdom because everything's got to be now or hard. 
If it's easy, it's not really that impressive. That's, that's wrong. I need to start realizing that that little teeny sprout, that neighbor, the sprout that I did on the stand-up paddleboard where I said to the guy, hey, God told me to bless you. I'm a little pissed at you, but I'm God's kid, so I'm going to bless you. What? That's a sprout. See, when we can start to look for the sprouts and embrace the sprouts and give the sprouts a place of belonging, do you know how many people wanted to kick that guy's butt? I'm not the first barbecue he dropped in on. But I gave him belonging. I didn't size him up. I didn't set him aside. I saw him. You need to learn how to surf, bro. Can I help you? Can I show you what you should have done? Can we step to the side and watch a few of these guys that knows what's going down for your sake so that you, you, know, you have a good experience out here? That's called belonging. Now, I started a nonprofit with my wife called The Tribal Way. You guys have heard certain stories about it, and I'll tell you, it's really hard to start anything. We started The Rock, the liquor store ministry, 12 kids up in D3 or whatever, and we rented a liquor store and converted it to an off-site youth facility, 250 kids for five years. Changed the world. Started the cafe for at Three Crosses Church with my wife, hard plowing. Started the men's ministry at Three Crosses. Started with 10 guys up in D2. Your dad was one of the first guys. Every Wednesday morning, 6 in the morning, your dad would be sawing wood on the side because he just got off work at United Airlines with his Bible out, drooling on the thing, to sleeping. For like five years, your dad. But it turned into so much fruit because we saw these little sprouts and we fanned them. And we fanned them. And I have, I, I have, my phone is probably full of 100 pictures. If I knew you would be here, I'd be showing your dad sleeping right now in my Bible study. But you got to fan the sprouts. So we start the nonprofit, move to Santa Cruz, and the Lord puts the shed on our heart. It's the potter shed in the farm that we bought, and we convert it to help give people that are in middle crisis. I'm not even going to show you the pictures. It's unbelievable. We had a, a bunch of bikers from Turlock two weeks ago come and build us a $30,000 deck out over the waterfall and around the Redwoods. It's all sheetrocked. Oh, we're painting it this week. We're this close. I have a gentleman sleeping in the thing tonight on a cot who just 35 years of marriage, wife kicked him out. It's called a crisis. Come and sit. Meditate. Talk to God. Get your Bible out. Consider your next steps. You're valuable. You belong. Even though your whole family doesn't think you belong, you belong. That's the shed. Tribalway.org is our website. In January, it wouldn't stop running or raining. Well, no, October, November, December, I was sucking my thumb. The shed's not getting done. I can't paint it. And so my dear friend CJ, who came to faith in, in uh, Israel with us, who gathered around a little fire five years ago, he's the world's number one surfer, longboarder in the world, most influential, dear friend of ours, came to faith in Israel. He comes up in January, and I say, are we going to do this thing called loose change or not? Because I'm kind of stuck in the mud with the rain. Loose change is something we developed in Tel Aviv, and we developed in our little house that we were renting at Pleasure Point, where let's gather the surf community 10 men at a time and take them through what I've learned, says CJ. Let's refine their surfing and revive their souls. You know, you do that little fire thing you do and tell some stories like you do. Bring out some of those parables, and let's change the surf world from the inside out. And I said, really? Yeah. So here's a picture. I think it's the first picture of... That's CJ and I at the Western Wall. And we prayed for loose change. This was th uh, three and a half years ago. And it's loose, but change is imminent is our new ministry that we just started. The next picture is in January in our living room at the farm. On the right is Mark Tyler's son, James Tyler. You guys know Mark Tyler, 360 Surf. 
James Tyler comes up and spends five days with us to build a website for Loose Change. That's, CJ, that's me, then CJ Nelson, and that's Nice Guy Mike, who's a tattoo artist, and Mike Zigzag. Between the three guys, CJ, Nice Guy Mike, and Mike Zigzag, there's 462 tattoos among them. Me and James Tyler have zero. And my sweet little homeschool mom, wife, is here. Now, these guys came and sat at this table, and for the first time in Mike and Mike's life, sat at a table and prayed. They were, they were first up in the morning, sitting at the table, waiting for their food, and it's like, when are we going to pray? When are we going to do that open eye thing where we just ask the Lord to bless the food? Never before have they been in that kind of an environment. James Tyler, on the right, Mark Tyler's son, used to be part of a metal band, heavy metal, toured the world. I don't know if you guys know that. Very famous band in the, in the whole, it's called Screamo. Mike, Mike and CJ, for two months prior to this picture, have been texting back and forth a lyric in one of James' songs, Smooth Seas Don't Make Good Sailors. James Tyler, the most Bible boy you'd ever meet in your whole life, the salt of the earth, is sitting with 462 tattoos, and to watch these guys' three face turn pale and drop at that table when they said, you wrote that song? They've been texting it back and forth for two, two months. They're all sober. But as I like to remind them, sobriety is the beginning. It's walking with the Lord that matters. And so we developed a website. This is January. And three week, four weeks ago now, next picture, I don't even know what the next picture is. This is me and Mike Zigzag. All, Mike Zigzag is one of the, a very elite surfer. Uh, we're just ministering here at the farm. We bought 20 teepees, 20 cots, outdoor kitchen, built that, outdoor shower, built two outdoor banos, and charged $4,000 for 10 men to come spend five nights, six days with me, CJ, Mike, and Mike, and refine their surfing and revive their soul. And this is, this is just a little still shot. Next picture is this is us preparing for the men to show up. James Tyler, he's our ph photographer, CJ, Mike Zigzag, we're waiting around the fire, and we're actually praying for the men we've not yet met. Hello? Little Sprout. Ten worldly men who drop four grand to pursue their idol. Okay, next picture. That's the welcome to the camp. I'm welcoming the men, telling the men we've prayed for you. You belong here. You're part of our family now. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm glad you're here, and you are welcome. Welcome to our home. Next picture. This is the group shot last day, and we had a steel plate photographer there. We had a cupping, a chiropractor, a, a, a acupuncturist, masseuse, chefs, lobster, clams. Um, five, we had a cold plunge, hot plunge, steel plate photographer, drone photography, water photographers, video evaluation of each surfer each night. I'm talking top shelf surfing. What everybody experienced was a life change next picture that's the steel plate picture that we just took that's a steel plate is like the old reverse steel plate thing next picture me and cj getting our picture taken it's praising we just went right, can you believe what's going on next picture me and cj steel plate, steel plate next picture that's it pictures are over thank you for that little sprout at the western wall four years ago what if we gathered surfers and told them they belong in the kingdom of heaven? On the last night, I asked the men. The first night, I, I did, told the parable the, of the, uh, the seed. I said, how's your souls? You should have seen these guys, all 10 of them. 
but what? I, one guy from South Carolina, two guys from Mexico, one guy uh, grows 85 acres of weed and mushrooms in Ukiah. I've got two guys from San Francisco, one's a chef and cooking for Mark Zuckerberg today. That kind of chef. Uh, I got two guys from Malibu, three guys from San Diego. None of them met, and we sat around a circle. Let me tell you a story. Farmer goes out and throws some seed. The birds at this time are actually cleaning out my garden. It was the Lord. Look, look at the birds. That's what the birds do. How's your soul? The last night I said, hey, man, would you mind <clears throat> Jesus of Nazareth, not the Jesus of your upbringing, not the Jesus of your church bringing, Jesus of Nazareth who walked anointed by the creator of the universe, looked up to heaven in his last prayer, and he said, Father, thank you for the men you gave me. I start crying. I mean, the whole scene makes me emotional. I said, would you mind if I blessed you? Because I know by now half of you have never been blessed by your dads. The weed grower, Tommy the legend, seven years in the NFL defensive end, F-bomb, yes, Mark, full grow, Mark. Puts his hand on my leg. The kid's about 280 pounds. Bless me. And for the next half hour, each man, what they were dealing with. Guys are crying. James Tyler then prays for me. I didn't expect that. And I just went, Lord, it started with a sprout. And when your heart is cultivated, those sprouts turn into fruit. 10, 30, 60, 100 times. This year we have two more. I have two guys that need a scholarship if you'd like to support that and help that. It's a break-even. Four grand actually breaks even when you talk about the doctor and the photographers and all the stuff. And we're doing three next year at the farm and three international. We had a guy that saw the video clip you're going to see here from Tokyo, said, I have a private cove with 40 16-foot Japanese, 16-foot high teepees, real teepees. Would you come and do that here in Japan? Australia, Mexico, Malibu, and three more at the farm. And it started with me and CJ around a fire at Pleasure Point, talking God. Cultivate hearts that align with God. And all we did was gave all 10 of those men belonging. Belonging. People don't have belonging because they're sized up. And I tend to size them up too. I have to remind myself. I'm covered in a calling. Everybody is made in God's image. They all matter, and they all are being called to salvation. Will we treat them with the belonging that God has? Acts 8, Peter says, look, man, or God says to Peter, look, eat the ham sandwich. Don't be calling nothing I made unclean. Wow. Check out this little highlight video that went viral two weeks ago in the pagan surf community. Me and Ooh. CJ were tossing Let's back that up with some volume. What if we could bring guys together, refine their surfing, and revive their souls? Me and CJ were tossing around this idea. What if we could bring guys together, refine their surfing, and revive their souls? Learn some tools to surf better. Learn some tools to live better. Just started surfing two years ago. I'd surfed a CJ board, and when I saw this was available, I thought, you know, I can actually learn from him. I'm out with all my buddies and we have a great time, but I don't know what I needed next. And so I came here to kind of explore what are, what are the options. I think everybody probably feels a little bit of anxiety when they're driving here. Like I'm gonna go hang out with the 10 strangers. Why am I doing this? Then once you're here, you're like, oh, this is why. First session, 
catch first wave. CJ just paddles back. He's all, hey man, let's get to paddle back out. And later that day, he's like, I'm trying to turn from the middle. You can't turn from the middle. You gotta back up. We went to Capitola that night, and first wave, I did it. Put my foot back, board dropped down, got the trim, dropped it and went. That right there changed how I see. It's awesome to be in the water with a pro like that. I can paddle up to him and ask him a question, and he's actually watching me. CJ breaks things down. He talks about everything in a technical level, and then he gets into it more in simplistic terms. The one-on-one -on -one conversations with CJ about surfing, about how it pertains to me and what I'm trying to do with my surfing, it's priceless. Everything from the food to the accommodations, this farm's amazing. Bodywork, tin-type photographs, guest speakers, back to the food again. I'm like, ribeye steaks? They could have got us top sirloin, but no, it was ribeye. <laughs> it is like learning how to surf and all that half is just kind of therapy i like the campfire sessions it's like very authentic the first night was surfing this is what i want to do better this is what i want to work on and then by night two it was already like life like it, it got so much deeper than that i lost my my dad about seven months ago yep my dad was my best friend we used to surf all the time right when i came i was just in awe of everything I wish it could be longer. <laughs> I feel like all of us have grown as humans. I can definitely say for myself that I won't be the same after this. No joke, I've made lifelong friends in a few days. Today on my last wave, I could hear on the, on the cliff like 10 guys cheering me on. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I just met them two days ago. What a great opportunity coached by a pro surfer. You know, I'm already thinking of I'd like to bring my son here. Whether it's a meditation retreat, a surf camp, I think it's really important to get away to take care of yourself so you can take care of other people. If any of that sounds good to you or, or you want to come and spend some time with us here at Loose Change, we would love to have you. If you just want to come, learn to nose ride, come on, man, let's go. But if you just lost a parent or are trying to get sober or battling anxiety that's fine too come come hang out we've all been through all of it and we're open to sharing and we're just here for you and we hope you can come join us well when i look at those stories tommy the legend you didn't i could the, the billionaire the one guy that loved the fire time billionaire has a compound in mexico we're going to do one there next week or next year wants his son involved the guy who started crying picked me up off my feet wept that this was a humble little clip with him he lost his father and he signed up to find his joy and by day two he picked me up weeping and say i found pure joy not just new friends talking about the lord like i've been reminded that god sees me and that i matter it's just like friends psalm 139 david says lord search me know me and see if there's anything in my heart that needs to be removed because God wants us to produce fruit, not produce, scratch that, grow by nurturing the sprouts with belonging. Thank you for giving me a little time. I love this story. Don't be ever overlooked ever again by anybody. God sees you and has called you. Oh, we're gonna do an offering? Well, that's very kind. Go straight to the tribal way. Thank you. Thank you, Brent. That's, that's a nice way to pull up the job performance.
So do, what do, we, do I hum while you do the offering, or what are we doing? The band comes up. Na, 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 na. We'll do that little lame song in the clip. Da, da, na, da, da, da. Da. Oh, the, the music coming up? Okay. The, and, the, and the audience went, whew, thank goodness. Hey, thank you again. I love you guys. I pray for you always. Come to Israel with us if you want to. We talked about a lot. Thank you for giving me your hearts and your time. And I hope the Lord spoke to your hearts and challenged you a little bit and comforted you a little bit. And so with whatever he's whispered into your heart, I'm going to pray a blessing that Paul wrote to his dear disciples from prison as a benediction. And just think about what the Lord revealed so that we don't let the birds get it and the weeds don't choke it. Whatever he shared. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. And I pray from his glorious, unlimited resources that he will empower each and every one of us with the inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in our hearts as we trust in him. Our roots will grow down into God's love and keep us strong. And may you and me and us, my brethren and sisters, have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love for us is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God only. Now, all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might even ask, think, or pray for. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you again. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day.